We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 241. Yankees just split with the Nats, and once again, seems like every week on Wednesday nights, Scott, we record after a Sunny Gray game. Was not a good Sunny Gray game this time around. Aren't we lucky? Aren't we the lucky ones that get Sunny Gray every single time we uh, record a show in the middle of the week? So this was a this was a big one for him, right? We all know this. We've been talking about how. The, the next game, this game, was actually one versus a formidable opponent. And uh, the other two were, you know, they were nice games. He pitched well. We, we saw some glimpses of what we, what we wanted to see. But the true test is at home versus a real team and a real offense. And, uh, and, and old Sonny Gray came back. The old Sonny Gray of 2018. The old Sonny Gray. So, well, yeah. maybe, you're, maybe you're being a little hard on him. I think, I think it was a step backwards, but it wasn't like a massive step backwards, and it certainly wasn't two steps backwards. It was a, just one, one baby step backwards. No, I mean, if I'm being totally honest and realistic when you're looking at it with your own eyes, I mean, we'll talk about this whole game and, and, and his start, but that home run to left field, while it did go out of the park, Nine times out of ten, that's a fly ball to Brett Gardner, and he catches it, and those three runs don't don't score. But you know what? How about you not walk the guy with two outs to um, to extend the inning? How about that? How about we just you know finish the inning and uh, and not get to that point? I don't know, yeah, Sonny. That, let's make things easier on ourselves. That was a bizarre home run, and obviously Soto has just unbelievable power. We saw that in his next home run when he pummeled the ball to center field. Yeah. But but that was a weird – I thought that was a pop-up down the left field line. And off the bat, in my mind, I said, I hope that stays in play so Gardner can, can catch it. Yeah. <laughs> and it went out of the ballpark. So um, I mean, I'm You sure... could tell that the wind was pushing it the entire time because Gardner drifted a long way uh, from where he started, where he thought the ball was going to be, and he just kept drifting and drifting and drifting, and, the, and that was it. Yeah, well, as we heard on the, uh, the Yes broadcast, I know you, you couldn't get the Yes broadcast down there, but uh, they misreported 65-mile-an-hour winds on the weather report before the game. Yeah, I saw, I saw this on Twitter, the, 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 <laughs> okay. the swirling winds of Yankee Stadium. It's like, a, it's like the Wizard of well, Oz. That's what Don Mattingly always said, you don't look at the, the flag, or you, uh, you don't look, what did he say? You look at the flag. You look at the flag the in center pole, field, right? the, the, all yeah. the flags. Then you know where the wind is swirling when you get it up there. You got to get it up in that jet stream. Once you get it up in right. that jet stream, 
that's where the those uh, flags will tell you exactly what's happening. Right. Um, all right, we're going to get into everything, but let's just quickly uh, talk about the June 29th event. It's uh, The deadline is approaching for uh, tickets if you want to get your shirt, right? Yeah, so I've had a whole bunch of people email and, uh, and, and Facebook message and Twitter message and Instagram message. Um, I'll say it again. The best way to get a hold of me if, you, if you're trying to like set up groups and, or if you have any, uh, a note that you want me to, to uh, mark on your account so that your guys are sitting together or whatnot, just shoot an email, please, to info at bronxpinstripes.com. It's really hard to keep track of all the different areas. Um, and, uh, I don't want to, I obviously want to make sure that everybody's taken care of. So, um, the deadline to get the shirt is going to be on Monday. So that will be our cutoff, um, Monday, probably like close of business, not Monday at midnight, but mon- Monday, like close of business. Um, and, uh, and then we'll, you know, all the shirts will be ordered at that point, but you can still order tickets and I will, I will get a bunch of extras as well on that day too. So I can, um, you know, try to fill as many people as I can. But that's, uh, that's kind of the game plan at this point. Remember, it's a Friday game. The, the pregame is going to be at the dugout, so it's a little harder to distribute T-shirts from the dugout. So make sure you get your, uh, your group together over the weekend uh, or Friday or whatever. Friday's payday, so get it, get it done um, before Monday if you can. And uh, I've had a bunch of people talking about assembling those groups, so um, definitely uh, ramp that up this weekend so that you can get in for the, uh, the T-shirt deadline. Um, but yeah, that's it. It's uh, you know, 84 bucks again, like we've been talking about. Uh, they're they're cheaper than you're gonna find anywhere else, and they uh, they include the uh, the pregame where we'll all be at the dugout beforehand, and you get a T-shirt for the game itself that you're gonna be wearing to the game, and we'll be sitting in 205. So again, all these all these events have been awesome and a lot of fun. Looking forward to this one. I, I see a lot of uh, of names that I recognize and people that we've met. So that means a lot of people are returning, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. So Monday's the deadline for your shirts. So uh, get get moving on all those people. Eighty four bucks for a Yankees Red Sox game in late June when the teams are both as good as they are, first and second in the division, is a damn steal. Um, as the standings are right now, Yankees are a game up on the Red Sox, forty three and twenty. They still have a few games to make up on the Red Sox, but that's going to be a playoff atmosphere on June 29th. and I think all of the thirteen games against the Red Sox are going to be playoff type atmospheres for the rest of the season. No doubt, there's going to be some some serious hatred brewing this year. I mean, this is it's set up to be a, a very like if you think the rivalry is good. Now, if like everybody thinks it's back on or whatever, like I, I, I truly don't feel like the the fight felt like it was starting. It was almost like a little bit of a okay, this could this could get back to a point where I, I really despise them. But when you have thirteen games and it's very clear that those head to head games are gonna are, are basically gonna um, say who wins the uh, the AL East, like that's when you start hating somebody because they're gonna be like playoff games, like you said. And at at what point do we start keeping an eye on every? single game of the Red Sox and if they won if they lost what what do the standings say today because I I have people tweeting us saying oh and the Red Sox won today so the Yankees have to win or the Red Sox lost today so the Yankees have to take advantage and I get it it's fun to do but I I really don't start looking at that until at least after the all-star break yeah I'm like I'm after the all-star break like kind of around the trade deadline that's that's when I start really you know looking at what everybody else is doing and start lining up who's in the uh you know what the uh I mean, I'll, I'll always know where we are in the, in the uh, division, but then I start looking at wild cards and all those other things just so I can kind of have my, uh, my eyes on, uh, on what's happening for, um, you know, the chase of September. But, but yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not fixated on, on what they do right now. There's so many things that can change in such a short amount of time. Uh, so, I mean, you remember when they collapsed? What year was that? It was them and the Braves when they had that? Twelve. Uh, 2012, 2012 was it a seven it? game lead eight game lead yeah and the chicken and beer fiasco dwindled down yeah so i mean you know anything can happen so if, if you're if you're really getting obsessed with watching the red sox and making sure that the yankees win every time the red sox win uh maybe maybe uh relax on that one a little bit <laughs> well the thing is like you said it's going to change 50 times between yeah, now and the end exactly. of the season so if you want to go troll red sox fans every time the yankees take a one game lead well then expect to be trolled back the next day when the red sox take a one game lead because I, I really do think that the teams are that close and they're both going to be adding at the trade deadline so i don't think either of these teams are pulling away no and and they may be competing at the deadline too i mean there's some people talking out there about you know obviously Everybody thinks that the Yankees are going to be going after starting pitching. I mean, I think it's almost a guarantee at this point. But there's a, another thought out there that, that, you know, maybe the Yankees could could target one of the better relievers, kind of like what they've done in the past, and just kind of double back down on the bullpen and really just make it even more solidified. And, and you know, because the starting pitching 
market at the trade deadline is not the greatest, but you do have some some relievers in there that are impact guys. You know, maybe that's the move. There's there's some interesting things that'll happen, and and if that is the case, then you know I could definitely see the Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros um, competing for you know the same guy, and that that's interesting stuff. If do you think if they go the route of adding another bullpen arm, that that is really going to be enough for them? Because don't you think that at least on paper, I know on paper doesn't mean a, hell, a whole hell of a lot, but this bullpen has enough talent to st- still be elite as it is now, especially without Tommy Canley, who's in the minors, still rehabbing. No, I absolutely think it's an elite bullpen at this point. And I think that it it's going to, as guys get back, you know, assuming there's people stay healthy, but yeah, it's absolutely. But when you're at that, at that point at the trade deadline and you're looking around and you're not seeing that guy that that makes a lot of sense if the if the asking price for some of the starting pitchers is just too much then you got to look to well okay so I can't get a guy here that's going to be an impact so right now we're looking at at guys like Ja Hap and and like you know the likes of that guy so maybe you do pick up a, a guy like that kind of like they did with uh with Jaime Garcia your boy Jamie Garcia last year and then you know go go back and double down on that dull, the bullpen and just add one more guy because I mean we're looking at these at these uh, at these series in the in the playoffs and a lot of them are sh- you know can be short games with the starting pitching and if you have that one more arm in there that's you know an elite guy it could shorten the game even more so there's two ways to look at it I think and, and I think what the the determining factor is is going to be the quality of guy that you can get right well how what is the bang for their buck that right. they can get right and. And they have the pieces. If they want to go out and get the top starting pitcher on the market, you may disagree whether he's elite or not, whoever that guy may be. But I think they have they certainly have the pieces to do that. So it's it's depending on what Cashman is willing to give up and if he's willing to pay the price for whoever's available. That's why I don't think that the Yankees are going to trade for a starting pitcher now. Everyone is saying with Tanaka on the DL and Montgomery, who went down for the season, that they need to get a starting pitcher now. But wouldn't you rather they wait a month to six weeks to when every team who's out of it is going to have players available rather than just picking from maybe two or three teams and overpaying for not your number one target? Well, I mean, there's a few ways to look at it. I mean, there's definitely more than a couple teams. Like we talked about, you know, there's there's it's the uh, American League is extremely top heavy. So there's a lot there's a lot of teams that are going to be dealing. But you know, if you're looking at it this way, one, you don't, uh, if you're looking at a, a starting pitcher right now, as opposed to at the trade deadline, you know, you may not have as much competition, but there also needs to be a seller for you. I mean, for every buyer, you got to have a seller. And it's, if I'm a, if I'm a team and I'm, I'm looking to, to trade one of my best assets, I want competition. I want these guys to, to jockey against each other and to, to bid against each other and raise the price. And that's not going to happen right now, but it will happen in the middle of June or I'm sorry, the middle of July. So, you know, there needs to be a seller too. It's a two way street. You can't just go out and get one because we don't want to get one. I mean, there's got to be someone who's willing to, you know, make that deal right now and not wait until the market's really hot. Yeah, and I, I, people are just targeting t- uh, some of the pitchers out of the NL West as targets for the Yankees. But if you look at the standings in the NL West, the, all of those teams are separated by six games. Even the, the shitty San Diego Padres are only six games back of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Without Chase so, Headley? How did they do that? <laughs> well, Brian Mitchell has just been pitching tremendously for them. <laughs> but the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, the Rockies, and the, and the, uh, the, the Giants are all going to try and win that division. So I don't see any of those teams selling. Well, no, and I think the Giants are one of those teams that maybe if they were to fade out, um, they could look to, to try to unload some of those contracts that they've added. But, but yeah, I mean, as of right now, they're, they're not. They're, they're not going to be selling. They're, they are. They made moves to win now. They didn't make moves to, to – they didn't add all those veteran guys to, to, um, you know, to fade off and, and to uh, play for next year. So it, it'll be interesting. But, yes, there are going to be more sellers. There's no doubt about it at that time. Um, and, and, you know, again, you, you got to have someone to sell you a, a pitcher. If you don't have someone that's willing to, to get rid of somebody at this point, then what are you going to do? You can't, I mean, it's Cashman. He's a ninja. You bully someone into doing it. You go down to, to Oakland and just like, you know, give, give Billy Bean some nuggies and get somebody. But <laughs> Well, I think we also learned that the Yankees, as they are now, are certainly good enough to compete and make the playoffs. They're just, their rotation is not good enough to win a World Series. Well, no, I mean, and, and, you know, that could change as well as far as like good enough to get to the playoffs. And I think a lot of that says, I think it says a lot about what the competition is right now, too. Um, yep. and, and the way that their offense is clicking, even when not all of their guys are going, it seems well, like we're going to talk about that. It seems like a lot of them, uh, they could still score some runs, but, but yeah, there's a, 
you know, I, I think at some point they're they're absolutely going to need it. And who knows if Tanaka comes back completely healthy? Who knows if that's a, becomes a lingering double hamstring injury? I mean, you know, if you could do it once, you could probably do it again pretty easily. Yeah, the fact that I guess you're more worried about the right hamstring than the left hamstring, right? The the push off, the push off hamstring than the plant hamstring. I don't even know. I don't know which one I'm worried about. It's it's they're they're uh, it's like the two twins, you know, that like they feel each other's pain. I don't know. It's weird. Did you see uh, Joe Madden did some weird switchery today and put his pitchers out in left field twice in one inning? No, I did not see this. Yeah, well, I I, I tweeted out that if Tanaka had to go play left field, he'd pull three hamstrings. Yeah, he would. It's it's not good. It's not a good look. Uh, you had mentioned the offense, and they are still the top offense in baseball. We all think they're going to be the top offense in baseball. But there was this weird stat going around today that I actually kind of got worried about. And it was that since the second game of Monday's doubleheader last week against Detroit, the Yankees did not score a run unless it came on a home run or a sack fly. So on the one hand, at least they're getting situational baseball and hitting sack flies. But then it comes back to the whole thing, the old argument that we've had many many times with this team especially when they were going through those old years in 2012 2013 etc of if they don't hit a home run they don't score yeah it's not I don't I don't think we have the same we I know for a fact we don't have the same makeup as what we had back then so the the comparison to the statistics is a little um I don't know it's it's depressing to have to go back to think about that because we have built this, you know, this team has been built to avoid that, you know, with all these guys. And that's what we saw early in the season. We saw a lot of guys that were hitting for, for higher average. I mean, people can shit on average all they want, but it's still an indicator of what's happening. You know, there's guys getting on base. It's still an indicator of, of who's getting on base and, and, you know, how they're scoring because you have base runners. And you can also look at runners in scoring position average. And I think it is very important to look no at the it. fact that they're six for 53. Not good. Uh, it, uh, six for their last 53 with runners in scoring position. That is a bad batting average. When you're looking at that and, and what we saw early in the season with Didi hitting like 400 and Judge hitting like 350 for, you know, the first month of the season. We had guys that were going and, and they, were, they, were hitting on for, they were hitting for average. They were getting on base a lot. They were getting more hits than they are currently. And they were not going uh, with just the deep ball. The, the ball was still going out of the ballpark, but they were getting, there were guys on base when that was happening. And that's just not what we're seeing now. The guy, the, that home run when there is somebody on is not happening. And the base hit when there's a guy in running, runner in scoring position is not happening. So, that's what's not happening. It's the runners in scoring position that's not happening. They're still getting guys on base. They missed a lot of opportunities in these two games against the Nationals. Uh, Tuesday's game sh- could have been a blowout. They left the bases loaded with Bird and Stanton up in the fifth inning on Tuesday. And then Bird grounded into a double play late in that game um, as well that got the Nationals out of a jam. And then on Wednesday night, they missed opportunities where they had a leadoff double by Greg Bird. And they couldn't even move a runner. Couldn't do simple things like move a runner over, and maybe they could have gotten a sack fly. So it's these it's these missed opportunities um, that we've seen this offense have recently. And I, I also go back to the game, um, the the third game of the Mets series. We're, we're saying all of this, but we still, I think, I mean, it's it's important to bring up. But we also, I think, you and I agree, this offense is going to be fine. The offense is going to be completely fine. I mean, it's going to be absolutely fine. It is fine, right? Even even with these struggles, they're still scoring more runs than anybody. So when you look at that, and I understand that maybe it's it's front loaded because of you know the, the the hot streaks that they went through, but you're seeing different guys do it at different times. That's the beauty of this lineup. So so while I know it, I see the numbers and we're struggling as a, as a unit as a whole with runners in scoring position, there's just too many good batters on this team to stay down there's too many guys that can hit for average and that are not just home run guys on this team and in this lineup for that for those numbers to stay there so I'm really not worried about it right one of those guys is Gary Sanchez who do we want to call it a benching was it a benching it's pretty damn close to a benching especially because that he did not get a pinch hitting opportunity on Wednesday night which only down by one run in the ninth inning where Romine was a lefty on lefty when Greg Bird was up, and then Romine uh, was up where he could have very easily just pinch hit Gary Sanchez. Maybe Sanchez runs into one, ties the game. Thought it was very telling that he didn't do that. It, it would, the uh, the if there was a pinch hitter for Romine for Gary Sanchez, Twitter would have been on fire, on fire. <laughs> look at what Gary, look at what Austin Romine's doing. Look at this, look at these numbers. How are you going to bat this guy? Gary Sanchez can't even hold his jock. 
Why are we pinch hitting for a guy that's uh, a guy that's not even hitting the Mendoza line for Austin Romine who's hitting like 345? Why is this happening? All that would have happened. All of that would have happened. But you know, it does say a lot. I think more to the the point that that Austin Romine is doing well and is and actually you know hit the ball hard. It was a line drive. Unfortunately, just hit right at Matt Adams. But I mean, he he did his he effectively did his job by hitting the ball hard. Uh, it was just a bad spot. So it's a it's a it's tough. I think for for um, uh, for Boone at that point to make that change because there's not a ton that justifies that decision. Especially if he had already talked to Sanchez and said, you have these next two days off no matter what. That makes three straight off days for you. Reset your mind. Try and get right. You're going to be back in there on Thursday. We need you back in the middle of that lineup. Because I'm assuming that's, that's the conversation they had through Gary Sanchez's translator. <laughs> I guess. The, uh, I, I mean, I don't like that move. I don't like that having that, uh, that precedent set where there's three days off and that's 100% three days off. I mean, you're, you're basically saying that you're one guy down on the bench. I mean, there's, there's no reason why one of your guys at any given day, even if it's a day off, can't go in and pinch hit on, on when there's three days off total. So, I mean, I don't personally like that. I think that's just uh, that's playing down a man, basically. You're playing knowing that you're not going to play this guy. And, and, and if you're telling him that, then he's certainly not going to prepare for that day. Um, you know, mentally. Maybe, well, maybe that's how you trick him. It's sort of like you Miyagi. Him, well, he didn't. You, he didn't. No, I know he didn't. <laughs> but, but what he should have done, what I would have done if I were a manager, tell him, no, you're not going to get in there. And then, boom, all of a sudden, Paint hey, defense. Gary, you're pinch hitting. Paint and, he, and he's like, I don't have my cup on. I have sneakers on. I can't go up there. He goes up there, hits one 400 feet, tie game. I like that. He's worried about his nuts, so he hits the ball as hard <laughs> as he can go. No, I think that's a solid move. I think that would be uh, you're playing defense at that point. Hey, right. you know, you never know. You got to spur a guy on in different ways, and Boone's trying to figure that out. So I think Boone's trying to get in the head of Gary Sanchez in a positive way, and, and just trying to make sure that he realizes that he's got his back. Um, but at the same time, I think the the decision not to pinch it for Romine was, along, you know, along the same caliber, uh, in the sense that Boone's trying to say to Romine, like, "Hey, you've you've had a hell of a season. I trust you to go out there and get on base right now." Yeah, Sanchez also played down any rumors of injuries. Um, I guess the trainers were talking about, remember the calf issue that Gary had? Yeah. Um, I guess that could be playing a factor, maybe just some fatigue, maybe some midseason fatigue that he's going through. But hey, Gary Sanchez does not seem to think he's injured or fatigued. So I just think he's in a slump. I mean, he's um, had more days off behind the plate than he has in a while with this, with Romine coming in there and being uh, Sonny Gray's personal catcher. And they're, they're basically right. regimented. So, you know, he can, he can kind of, you know, tailor his Planet. schedule a little bit more. Yeah. So there really should be no reason for him to be fatigued at this point. Yeah. The quote that Gary had was the reason why I'm not hitting is because I'm missing pitches that I usually hit pretty. <laughs> That's good. Well, and also he's swinging at balls that he shouldn't swing at. I mean, there's, there's two factors of this. He's, he's missing balls that he normally does hit, but he's also, he's, you know, he's expanded his strike zone to a point where he's, where he's uh, putting the pitcher in a position uh, that, you know, they know he's going to chase something. So they're not giving him the pitches he, that he normally sees. He's got, uh, I mean, he's, got to, he's got to be better with his pitch, pitch selection. Like Boone talked about from the day one, control, control. control the strike zone. Control yep. the strike zone. I, I agree with you that he has expanded the zone. Um, but I, I also think Gary is right that he's missing pitches he usually hits. And that's uh, evident by an article Petriello wrote, um, who we had on last week on the podcast. He wrote an article on MLB.com talking about Sanchez's struggles, and he's hitting into some bad luck. He's got a 197 BABIP, which is the second lowest of any qualified hitter this year. And his ground balls, he's a bad ground ball hitter. Basically, the conclusions of this article are when Gary Sanchez hits the ball on the ground, he's a bad hitter. When he hits the ball in the air, he's a good hitter. Batting average on grounders, 082. Batting average on liners and fly balls, 412. So, Gary, launch angle, hit, swing up. It's not so, it's not so much that he's a bad ground ball hitter. It's just that he's a, when he's missing, he's hitting ground balls. It's, it's cause and effect. Right, but he also has more ground balls. Uh, he's hitting more ground balls this year. And because he's when he struggling. Hits, because he's struggling, and when he hits the ground balls, they are usually weaker contact. Right, but that's my point. Like it's it's not that like if he tried to hit ground balls and like that was his where that was his uh, approach. I bet he'd smoke the ball. But okay. he's not trying to hit ground balls. He's trying <laughs> he to hit fly be. balls, and he's hitting ground balls instead, which means he's not making solid contact. I, I bet I bet there's a direct correlation to barrels with this stat too. Mm-hmm. Because if he's not 
if he's not making uh, good contact and not hitting the barrel of the bat, then he's going to hit those weak ground balls. But if he's barreling up balls like he normally does, you know, they're getting smoked and they're, they're usually line drives or the launch angle is better. And that just means, you know, the, his bat path and his swing and mechanically he's right. So mechanically right now he's bad. And, and when you're looking at, when you're expanding the zone, you start doing things that are not normal to you that are, that are, uh, that, you know, lead to your success. So when you're chasing a ball, chances are your mechanics on that swing are probably not going to be great either. And, and that messes up yourself when you're looking for the right pitch. So it's all, it's all tied together. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think one of the, the biggest things for him is he's got to have the patience. He's got to have the discipline at the plate and get back to, to Gary Sanchez looking at specific zones where he can hit and do damage and lay off everything else. It's the Aaron Judge approach, and that's what made him so great. Here's a little brain buster sabermetrics for you. So lowest batting average on balls in play amongst Yankees since 1918. 197 this year, Gary Sanchez. 209, Roger Maris, 1961. Man, those are some some shocking numbers. So at first you see Roger Maris, 1961, you say, wait a second, isn't that the year he hit 61 home runs? How the hell do you have such a low batting average on balls in play? Then you remember that home runs don't count to batting average on balls in play because they're not, quote, in play. They're out of play. So yeah. if Gary Sanchez... Why don't they adjust Maris, that? I mean, it's, it is, if it's a ball that's fair, shouldn't it be considered in play? I think there is a stat specifically for that. How about but, we just uh, change the other stat that's wrong? <laughs> that's like a no, bad because stat. more stats. Because more, more stats acronyms, are more acronyms. More, more acronyms, more stats, more spreadsheets, more confusion, more, more jobs, more tweets, more everything. <laughs> more more jobs. jobs. The economy is better. I get it. Make 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 baseball great again. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of um, everyone's favorite future Yankee Bryce Harper pulling himself out of the game on Tuesday after he was hit? I got to be honest with you. Bryce Harper did not do himself any favors about wanting or trying or, or winning over the Yankee fans and like them pining to uh, the Yankees brass to go out and get Bryce Harper. One, he's having a not a great year. I mean, if you look at it, the numbers are there for home runs everywhere else. He's he's not good. I know some fan. Uh, my mother-in-law is a Nationals fan. They grew up in Northern Virginia and they um, she can't stand Bryce Harper. Can't stand him. And why? She her. thinks she's arrogant or something? He, yeah. I mean, she's definitely like an old school baseball fan and she uh she thinks he's arrogant she thinks he's uh he's he's just he's not a team guy he's too me 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 look at me and i mean she's not wrong i mean he is he's very me 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 he plays hard when it's convenient i think but at the same time i mean i don't watch him play every day the uh but when i did see him take his himself out of the game after fouling the ball or getting hit on the foot ah man i was like that's a little weird it's a little weird. He got halfway down the line. He's like, "Oh no, I can't do it." He started like crying and like really limping. And then turns out later, <laughs> later, it, it, now you have him crying. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was kind of crying. I think I saw a tear. I, I think saw his tears. Beard, yeah, yeah, his beard tears. was getting all sopping wet. And yep. and uh, you know, after Dave Martinez even talked about this, uh, saying that that he's going to be in the game the next day. No problems. He's fine. Just uh, you know, went a little numb. Sometimes it goes a little numb, and and he gets scared. Like, come on. Bro, you, you weren't going to win the game, and you took yourself out. You're like, I'm done Exactly. Here. Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. He realized that the writing was on the wall for this game. He had a sore foot. His foot had a boo-boo. Yeah, he's going to go hit blue. the spot. Had to take, yeah. yeah. Clown, uh, clown you, move, bro. Clown do you move. think uh, Batances was hitting him in retaliation for when Harper was mic'd up in the All-Star game and said <laughs> all you have to do is take against Batances and he's going to walk you? Hey, I did tweet that. I said, like, he remembers. Dellen remembers. Yeah. I, I, I tweeted that before the at-bat, actually. Uh, no, because if he's going to hit him, it's not going to be with a, a curveball. I, I know. He's going to put know. one on his back. Um, but can you imagine? Behind him. Can you imagine if a Yankee took himself out of the game for, for an injury? If Greg Bird took himself out of the game after getting hit? I mean, Yankees fans would melt. Well, I mean, Greg Bird would be understandable, I think. I don't think many people would be shocked. But, I mean, it's a, he's a superstar. This guy is like the the guy. and And, you know, he got hit. On the on like the the big toe, and it was a curveball, and it barely glanced the toe. And I, I know on cleats, the toe is a little you know the plastics or the the um, whatever that whatever it's made of, if it's leather or whatever. There's usually a little bit more more material there at the toe to to protect the toe. Uh, I, I can't believe it hurt that much. I really just can't. I, I think that was all Bryce Harper being a little bitch. And you know what? He didn't play well either. He didn't look good. He did not look good. He just. I don't know. It didn't get me excited at all. Not a guy, not a guy, uh, w- what I saw, not interested. 
Well, I don't think you have to be worried because I don't think the Yankees are going to be signing him. No, I, I, you know, I think he's really hurting himself. I think last free agent class uh, market hurt his contract a lot, and I think this year he's hurting himself as well. Uh, he's not going to touch near what we thought a year and a half ago. It's going to be very interesting. We talked about this in the offseason when guys were getting significantly less. The real tests are going to be Machado and Harper because right. those guys are still young and in their prime. Right. So if they still get the mega 10 to 12-year deals, $300-plus million, then we might look back on the market last year and just say, okay, it was a fluke. It's, it's going back to what we've known it to be. But if Harper's not getting the big, massive contracts he's expecting, then maybe things have changed. Well, I mean, and, you're, and you said... You just mentioned three hundred million dollar contracts. I mean, they're they're talking. I know it was exaggerated, but some people didn't think it was exaggerated. Four fifty, five hundred. That like th- thinking like this. This guy's legitimately going to get that much money. Uh, One on the, on billion the dollars. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't think it's going to be like that. And and you're looking no. at those two seasons, and we're going off on a tangent now on these two guys that really don't matter to to what we're doing. But Machado. I mean, I'm I'm. I'm Team Machado. If I'm if I you give me a choice, I would would much rather have Manny Machado than Bryce Harper every day. You're just saying on on uh, on a baseball team. You're not saying on the Yankees. On a baseball team. On the Yankees. On a baseball team. If I had a choice, as I, a baseball player, yes, yes, I agree with you. A thousand percent. Yes, he does. The Bryce Harper fits what the Yankees could use, though. Yeah, because, because they could stick a, bat. and they could stick him in center field, I suppose. But Machado can hit. To all fields. Like, that doesn't buy the, the whole left-handed bat doesn't really concern me when you're talking about a guy like Manny Machado, either. And he's playing shortstop, which is an elite... I guess center field is also an elite position, but shortstop is a more of an elite position, defensively. Yeah, I mean, he's an all-world player. He's, he's a better both, baseball they, player. Well, I mean, they both are. Right, but Manny Machado's is, a better player. This is quite the tangent we're going on. Uh, Sonny Gray... We kind of mentioned it at the start, but very important start for him. We wanted to see it at home against a good team. So coming into tonight's game, his home splits as a Yankee, 11 starts, 6.44 ERA. Those numbers are not getting better because five innings, four runs, seven hits, two walks, only one strikeout on 89 pitches. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was a lot of contact being made. And, you know, if you, if you talk to the guys that, that, were, uh, that had seen Sonny Gray pitch, in Oakland, and um, we talked about this. I talked about this with uh, with Petriello last week as well. Is Sonny Gray when he's really good? He actually does pitch more to contact, and he's getting those ground balls. It's when he starts getting the ball in the air, when the opponent is getting the ball in the air, is when he starts running into trouble. He's a good ground ball guy. He pitches to contact, and that's a good thing for the way that he throws and if he's on. Um, so the one strikeout doesn't concern me as much. I mean, you definitely want to see it higher than that, but it's more the walks, uh, the seven hits. And I know some of them were, you know, seeing eye ground balls, but at the same time, and, and the, the home run was kind of a fluky home run. So now that I'm looking at the numbers again and just thinking back on all the plays, this, this just happened. The Sunny Grade start just happened before we recorded. You know, I, I'm not killing him as much as I, as I want to because I do want to kill him because he's frustrating the living hell out of me. But, you know, I, I think the numbers definitely look worse to, than, than how he pitched. Well, that's why I said it's, it's a step back, maybe just a minor step back. But what I'm looking at is 89 pitches in five innings, and that's including two pickoffs, a Gardner throwout, yeah. and a line drive double play. So right there, th- those are free outs that the Nationals gave him, and he still threw 89 pitches in five innings. No, chances are if those things don't happen on the base path, he's not coming back after that home run in the fourth. Right. That's, that's, that's what we're looking at at this point. And then at that point, so without the fluky base running things, I, I don't know if they're fluky, but they just don't happen very often. Well, they're, they're, they're mistakes by the Nationals. Right. The, um, but you're also, if, if those don't happen, so you're looking at just straight baseball, the guy doesn't get picked off on first base, and you're throwing all those pitches, then we're, we're killing him. We're killing him at this point. Because now he's got all these base runners on as well, uh, and, and he's not getting out of these innings, throwing a lot of pitches, and only going into the fourth inning. We talked about it last time, especially with Tanaka down now. Sonny Gray's improvement and getting back to Oakland Sonny Gray is more important than ever for this team. Um, I was really looking forward to tonight's start. Disappointed, not not devastated is, is, is I guess, what maybe we both are settling on. Yeah, I think so. It's just, you know, now we're adding things. When you start adding them up and you look at what he's done on the road and what he's done at home, it's just, it's a, it's a little disconcerting to the point that, 
you know, now he's got a personal catcher. Is he also going to be a guy that's going to be throwing on the road more often than not? And, and are they going to skip a start well, to do is that? that? No, is that's it going to be a thing? Is it going to be a thing? You can't do that. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to look. I'm looking up Brian Hoke's tweet right now, but he had a tweet about home runs uh, that Sonny Gray th- let up at home and on the road. Well, I mean, his numbers at and home and bad. on the road are drastically different. We know that Yankee Stadium is more of a home run park than most parks around the league, but we're not talking about slightly worse splits. We're talking about like an ERA that's four times as high. That's that's not just Yankee Stadium being a hitter's park. That that's also got to be mental. I mean, His next start's going to come at home against Seattle. Seattle, first place Seattle Mariners. First place Seattle Mariners. Yeah, I mean, it's there's definitely something with, with the, the way that he throws, his mindset and all those things that go into him struggling at home. I mean, he, there's, no, there's no pressure from anybody on the road. There's just, there's not, it's not there. So in the Bronx, as a Yankee, 15 home runs, 59 and a third innings pitched. Anywhere else, as a Yankee, four home runs, 71 and two-thirds innings pitched. That's a huge difference. It's a huge difference in 10 and 11, uh, 12 less innings. Yeah, he did not look like the same guy we saw uh, against the Blue Jays. So if, he is, if he's pitching to his strengths and that's either swing and miss or ground ball, then, then he's on. If he's not pitching to his strength and the ball is up in the zone and he's leaking it over the plate, like that, that home run to left field, that was, a, that was a, 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 a fastball that leaked over the plate that was called on the inside, of the, uh, inside corner. And it leaked over the plate. It leaked out over the plate, and he just uh, Soto just put a bat on it, and the and the wind did the work, or, or or he did the work, and it went really high, and and just barely got over. But it was a bad pitch. He missed his spot. When you're missing your spots and you're leaking over the plate like that, especially up in the zone, the ball's going to get hit hard and high, and probably in Yankee Stadium out of the park. So I guess his next start could come on the road against the Nationals again on Monday in the game and a half that they have to play. I guess he could start the night game. That would be on his fifth day. So we'll see. Maybe Boone wants to get him away from Yankee Stadium. I think that could be very telling to what, what the rotation lines up over the next few days. Yeah, and another frustration point for Sonny Gray because now we're looking at a guy where we have to manipulate things to, to uh, again, cater to his needs. Little Sonny Gray, little pickles. we got to cater to his needs. Uh, Luisica is going to start Friday. It was maybe rumored that he's going to start on Thursday. Boone corrected himself. He'll make his debut on Friday against Tampa. I guess that's a good place to, or it's a good spot to make your, make your debut against weak hitting Tampa. Yeah. He's a three, no, with a one, one thirty five ERA in Tampa. It's going to be good. It's uh, he knows how to pitch there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know that's, that's gonna, class A Tampa, but it's kind it's of also going to be at Yankee thing. Stadium. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the the <laughs> fact that he's playing Tampa, it, it's confusing. It's the Devil Rays. They're they're a minor league team. Like this guy's ready to go. I, I'm I'm excited for this. I think he's going to come out and destroy the Devil Rays. He's making the jump from Double A to the majors. Yeah, kind of the same thing. It's a, it's a, it's the Devil Rays. We're going to everyone go undefeated uh, against the Devil Rays. Everyone who covers all of the leagues say that the biggest jump is actually double-A to triple-A, not triple-A to, to the majors. I mean, we all know the reason he's... The Lois Higa is up here because he's on the 40. That's the reason. The, if there was a, a, a pitcher on uh, in Scranton that you know could have made this start and was on the 40-man, I guarantee they would have gone with that guy, but they didn't. This is, this is who they, they've, uh, they've lined up. And, you know, they like the kid, so we'll see. It'll be, I think it'll be fun. Is he going to go against my boy, though? Is he going up against Avaldi? He, he is lining up for a start against Evaldi. And the, the raised rotation is just in shambles. We know they go bullpen half the time. So it's supposed to be Herman versus Blake Snell. Snell's Tampa's best pitcher. Uh, Loisica versus Evaldi on Friday. Severino will go on Saturday versus somebody in their bullpen. And then Sunday will be CC against another bullpen game. <laughs> That's ridiculous. The... Um... It's, it's going to be, uh, it, look, these, these are games that the Yankees 1,000% should win. We said this in the beginning of the season. Undefeated against Tampa, and, and that puts you in a very good position. And I'm, I swear to God, they can do it. They can do it. They can go undefeated against this team, and they need to, because it's just going to be, uh, it's going to be adding more wins, and, uh, and, you know, they're easy wins. Let's, let's go. Um, Have I they already no lost a game against Tampa no. this year, though? No. They haven't? No. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Uh, as I look, the, as I look it up, <laughs> as you look it up, exactly. Um, Archer is hurt. 
Uh, so Archer is another guy that's going to be, I think, on the trade market. Would you take a shot on Archer, or are you thinking that Archer's best days are far behind him? No, I would. I would absolutely take a a shot at him. I, I think that I think that he's you know proven to be a very good talent. The um, it, it just depends what they're asking for because they could still they're still going to try to ask too much, you know, especially in division. Um, they're actually having a better season this year than than a lot of people expected. I know they're in third place. I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they're in third place, and everyone predicted them to be in the basement. Right, and they got rid of a lot of a lot of their players. Uh, they have a lot of young guys as they normally do, but this is a, this is definitely a team that that is uh, overachieving at this point. But you know, I, I think what I'm what I'm leading to is that you know maybe the Rays in their delusional um, front office think that, you know, they could be a year or two away from making a, a real move. If they, if they see the, the, the fact that this team is, you know, overachieved and some of the young guys are, are playing up and playing better than they expected, you know, at that point, you're going to look at making a trade for Chris Archer to the New York Yankees as, you know, n- uh, not really a necessity at that point. But if they do do it, if they were to look at that, it's going to be a King's ransom. And I just, I don't know if it's going to be worth it. What about Evaldi? I'm, I'm telling you, a guy like Evaldi, a guy like uh, I've heard whispers of Ivan Nova again. Like these are just the only reason I'm saying him is because he's a former Yankee. But Pittsburgh is a team that the Yankees have dealt with. I'm I'm really like trending in the direction of thinking that they're not going to go out and get a huge guy because the asking price is just going to be too damn much unless they give up Anduar. And I feel like he's his. It's going to be Anduar and Frazier. Those two guys are the ones you're going to have to give up. I think to get. Um, anybody substantial I think those are the two guys and I think if you're talking about like a package if they want to get Michael Fulmer who is going to be out there I think and he's controlled he's young I think you will not get Fulmer without trading Andujar and Clint Frazier right which is a lot that is a massive package in my opinion (laughs) (laughs) it's late guys and I just said massive package anyway uh is Andujar untouchable in your mind no I don't think he is. Honestly, Does it, you want me to, this is not going to be a popular opinion. I would trade him. I think he's such a hot ooh, commodity at this point, and I think tick. that he is such a uh, he's he's. I mean, he's improved and increased his value so drastically right now that now is the time to trade him. And, and if you're looking at guys you're going to trade, I, I don't think Clint Frazier has really improved his stock. I think people kind of he is what he is. I think right. people thought he was going to be a good player. Um, I think Anduar has proved people wrong i think that he's better than a lot of people think and uh i, I still think labor torres is untouchable i would i would not trade labor torres but i think Andujar is is playing maybe a little above what he will be for his career right now and i think it's a it's a, a good time to actually look at that so I, I wouldn't be surprised would you say that if the yankees did not have brandon jury 25 years old sitting in the minors right now who has said quote i do not belong here in the minors at all um i i, I wouldn't be i, I probably wouldn't wouldn't think as um, you know as much on that because he's there. It makes it easier for sure. But you know, there's still guys that could go over and play third base. I think that they can they can fill that spot. But at the same time, um, you do have Brandon Jury there. He is a guy that's lighting up AAA right now. He talked about it like you said. He does not does not belong there. We all know that he's a major league player. So yeah, I think there's if you're going to look at those two guys and, and you're you're making a trade and you have two third basemen that are both young, both are. Um, you know, good players, but who's got the higher ceiling right now? Who's got the better value currently? And it's 100% Andujar, 1,000%. Oh, Jury doesn't have any value at this point. Well, I wouldn't say he doesn't have any value. He's still a young guy that can play. I think it's a very risky proposition for a team to trade for Brandon Jury um, when he's dealing with, they, they don't know. Even the Yankees don't know if these migraine issues are going to just come back overnight. They don't know. He could be on a plane to Texas to play the Rangers, and all of a sudden he's seeing double again. I mean, it's true. The, uh, an injury like that that has to do with your head can, can absolutely come back, and it's proved to come back with him. So, yes, it, while it is risky, uh, I'm not going to say he doesn't have any value. He's still a good ball player that I think a lot of teams would take a chance on. But it, it, there's, it's undisputable at this point. I'm not really arguing against this. The whole point is that Anduar does have the highest value right now. And Brian Cashman, we know, he likes to trade for guys when they're not, uh, trade for guys when they're not at their highest peak, when he can get a value, and he likes to get rid of... If you're going to make a trade... He likes to do it at good times, and, and, and I think this is uh, one of those times. The problem is is you got to get something like unbelievably game-changing yeah. uh, return, like a Jacob deGrom, if we're talking about that. Like, I still don't <laughs> think it's going to happen, but I'm talking about that caliber of a guy. 
if you're going to trade need to one be... of the big prospects, you have to get something in return. Because right now, the way that, that Andujar is going and the way that there's a chemistry on this team and this offense and all these guys are just, there's a good rapport. Like you're, you're definitely mixing things up at that point too. You're potentially trading away the rookie of the year in Andujar. He's leading rookies in extra base hits. We went through everything recently with him and how good offensively he's been. If you do not get a massive name back, I think people would freak out. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. People will freak out even if there is a massive name coming back. But no, I, I, I think the only guy they'd freak out about is, is Glaber. Well, no, I mean, the other, if you're listening to any of the sports radio in New York, it's, it's just, that's, it's, that's it's bad, all over. That's a bad thing. I know, listen. but it's people are talking and, and there's, there's, I, every, every other jackass that calls the fan is talking about this DeGrom trade it's and, but happen. they're talking about it in a, in a way that I, I think is just amusing to me because they're saying like, well, if you trade, I think, uh, Francesca was talking about this today. If you trade Andujar, Frazier. And uh, Tyler Austin, all four of the all, all these guys slot into the starting ro- starting spots in uh, in the Queens in Queens right now, and they become starters and plug in right away and probably make their team better. Every one of them. So what happens when they become this little core? And they're talking about like Andrew becoming an MVP candidate. Like whoa, whoa, let's back the train up, man. Let's back this up a little bit. Like he's having a very good beginning of the year, and I think he's a very good player. But I just I you know I. I, I'm, a, I'm one for looking at sustained success and looking at a bigger scope so that I can determine what a player really is. And I just, I don't have that right now. So there's a big unknown. I do know what Jacob deGrom is. <clears throat> the reason I don't think Andujar is going to be traded is because that's a piece off your major league roster. That is a piece on your major league roster actively winning you ball games. Right. So the Yankees are trying to win a World Series. They're not, they are worried about the future, but they're most worried about for the 2018 World Series. And trading Andujar hurts your chances to win the 2018 World Series at this point. Trading Clint Frazier doesn't. So that's why I think Clint Frazier is the guy that's going to go. Oh, no, I, I think that Clint Frazier is for sure on the block. But I'm, I'm talking about if you're going to get one of these high-level guys, you're going to have to give, up, have more to than, give up more than Yeah, yep. so, and that's yep. why this whole, this whole circle is going to come right back right to Nathan Avaldi because that's how this, <laughs> this whole thing started. But and his flat fastball, I love that when Petriello uh, called out that Nathan Avaldi's fastball, yeah, it was fast, but uh, average spin rate, which is the worst kind of spin rate. But the, the thing is, is that the Yankees, I think, are going to be going after, unless they're willing to give up a guy like Andujar and Frazier and, 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 then they're going to have to start looking at guys like Avaldi and Nova and Hap and those types mm-hmm. of guys. And then, it, then there's a decision to be made. Is that good enough? Do we have to now go after um, the, the reliever from San Diego? You know, what, where is the limit now with, with how comfortable we are with this rotation if we can't go out and get a, a DeGrom or a Madison Bumgarner or a guy like that's an impact guy and going to make a significant difference in your rotation? So, you know, there's a lot of things that, that are, that are going to come into play, but the way that the, the market is, the top heaviness of the market, and, and you look at Cliff, um, Cliff Lee, not Cliff Lee, uh, Cole <laughs> Hamels, same thing, right? Pretty much. Is the... Um, like that's a guy that that maybe Frazier could it would be Frazier, but do you want to give up Frazier for Cole Hamels right now? Because that's what it'll no, probably take. I, and I don't think it's going to take that because I think the Rangers are in no position of power with Cole Hamels. He's making a lot of money. They're just trying to dump him at this point. They're going to get a middle of the road prospect back for for Cole Hamels. Maybe, but it also depends on the competition. Who else wants him? So there's there's other things to consider rather than just what the um, the the Rangers are able to do if there's one guy bidding up. But if there's a couple teams that are interested in him, and, and you know, and that's it, and there's really not much else. Like he's the best on there. You know the price could be driven up. We saw what happened with the relievers a couple of years ago and how astronomical those. But we got freaking Glaber Torres back for a rental. I, I mean, th- you don't know until the market really starts heating up, and then you can kind of determine, you know, what the uh, the values is set at at that point. One final thing on Drury, which I think is interesting, is the Yankees have had him play first base this week in Scranton, which could be very telling for Tyler Austin's future on this team, which is short short term. If Brendan Drury's obviously hitting well he's hitting 312 446 448 with three homers in the minors he's not a minor league player like we said i think the yankees are trying to move him around to see how can we get him back on this major league roster maybe first base the tyler austin role plus plus third base plus second base might be the way for jury to get back on this team 
I, I think that is the way for sure. There's no doubt about it. I mean, when we talked about him in the beginning when we first got him, we looked up as what was a one game at first base or it was under five. I think it was. It, not does, a lot. it doesn't matter though but, at this point. The, you just gotta. But he could do it. I mean, he's he's done it a couple times before, and I'm sure if you if you go back even further into into the minors and um, lower level ball, he's played first base before. I I, I would put money on it. Uh, but, you know, there's a, that transition. We saw what Chase Headley did last year from third to first. He made that transition while A-Rod did not. But he was an older guy. Uh, he's, he's awkward and runs on his toes. Like, that's a strange guy over there to put on, on first base. But we, it can be done. And especially if you're a third baseman, it, you know, it's, obvious, it's a similar position in the sense that it's on a, uh, one of the corners. I'm confident that if you give Brennan Jury a week at first base in the minors, he can come up to the majors and play it. I agree. I totally agree. And like you said, Tyler Austin's not really doing anything for you right now. So what is his place on this roster? Doesn't have one. Why not get a guy who can actually give you some more versatility? Because Tyler Austin's not going to go out and play any other positions than first base. No, that's it. I mean, that's the only play. And he's only going to go out there against a left-handed pitcher. So he's extremely You're limiting yourself. And we've only played the Rays twice. We got snowed out. Oh, right. It was the first home series of the year. So the good news is that we have a lot more games against the Devil Rays. They do have a lot of games against the Devil Rays this month. So they haven't gone down to Tropicana Field yet. Correct. Mm. That's a beautiful ballpark that I cannot wait to watch those games in. All right, guys, that'll do it for us. Scott, before we get out of here, any last words? If you guys are going to this event, if you're planning on going to the event, just uh, don't wait. Keep get your get your people together now. Trust me, if you get in before Monday, everything is a lot smoother. That way, the T-shirts are sent out to you. Um, you don't have to find me in a very very crowded dugout bar because it's a packed place in there and it's hard to move. So, um, if you're getting a big group, do yourself a favor, do everybody a favor, and sign up before Monday. Um, again, if you're getting ten or more guys, ten or more people, uh, guys and gals, uh, if you're the captain and you have ten people in your group. You get your ticket for free on the house. Uh, so that's our incentive for you to, uh, to line up your, your friends and to come to the game. Good stuff. We'll talk to you on Monday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.